Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast that never dies, we just multiply. It's the Netflix and Swill podcast, and I am your host, Caleb. And, and I, uh, unfortunately, have stepped on a landmine. Uh, and that tension was building for more than 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm just wonderful. Um, I got back into Destiny 2 this week. Any good? It's a fun gameplay loop. It's one of those things where, like, if the game wasn't free, I pro- probably wouldn't have bothered. But, like, my friends are always like, yeah, let's play these games. And it's like, oh, we're not going to play these games anymore. Uh, I want to play other stuff. And it's like, ah, cool, good. But, like, at least, so, like, I, w- I normally waste money. But then with Destiny, it's like, oh, we're not going to play this. G- oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, I spent no money on this. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, settling into the new apartment. I got all my shit moved. Uh, my wife and dogs are here. Um, dogs are settling in. They seem happy. Just getting everything put away, turning it into home, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, well, it took us what, three months to even uh, hang up pictures. And that was only because Ashley was home because of quarantine. That pictures are even hung <laughs> up. Uh, that said, she did hang up two more of my uh, my posters. One from the uh, latest Spider-Man game, which, I mean, that's a, that's another thing I can fucking talk about for hours and hours and hours. This is the PlayStation 5 reveal event. And then uh, an Uncharted poster. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so happy they're up now. I do have one blank space on this wall. It looks a little, little weird, but it's fine. I don't know. The only thing that I need to hang up is my Rocky poster. I think I've told you about that before, but I've hung it in every place that I've lived since, uh, probably since like my sophomore year of college. Sure. Sure. It's a tradition and you don't fuck with tradition. That's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation five reveal event. Uh, it started at four o'clock. It looks like Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh. It does. Uh, it started at four o'clock. Uh, so I basically watched it during my last hour of work. My boss was even like, you can go home early if you want. Like it was like 15 minutes before, uh, before five o'clock. And I was like, no, that's fine. And she's like, it's me weird. And I'm like, go back to my, go back to watching the live stream. And then, <laughs> and then five o'clock hits and I'm like, all right. And then I sit in my car for an extra uh, 15 minutes waiting for the live stream to wrap up. Cause I don't want to drive and watch amazing things unfold on screen. Such as Horizon New West. I can't fucking wait. Yeah, it looks really good. I don't know. Resident Evil 8 looks really good, too. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Spider-Man, Miles Morales version. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, a lot of people are like, oh my god, I can't believe they're putting this out already. And then you look at the game and you're like, oh, 
they're just reusing a lot of New York assets and all uh like the new PlayStation Five is gonna have like this solid state drive. It's gonna make everything load faster and such. And everyone's <laughs> like, "Wait, how is this happening?" I'm like, "Well, it's relatively simple. Uh, they sh- the hardware test that they showed uh, was using Spider Man, so they already had a patch to bring Spider Man to a PS Five, and then they just used the same assets and then just shoved in Miles Morales instead. So that's why it's gonna work. It's why they're that's why it's ready so quickly, but." Regardless, I'm excited for it. Uh, PS5 looking like a day one purchase for me. Yeah. Um, Sony will give you everything you want except for an answer on how much it's going to cost. Don't worry, Microsoft doesn't give them that answer either. Yeah. They're playing a game of chicken right now because neither one of them wants to be the higher <laughs> price console. Because the higher right. price console at launch has lost each of the last two generations. That's true. And by lost, I, of course, am speaking about uh, sales figures terms because Microsoft refuses to even talk about them at this point, and Sony is up over 100 million units sold on the PlayStation 4. I, I know, like, three people who have Xbox Ones, and... Uh, yeah, one of them's me. Yeah, and um, one of them is my 12-year-old nephew. Who flosses because he plays Fortnite. <laughs> I have one because it was... It's arguably the cheapest 4K Blu-ray player for everything else it does too. Like I have the Halo Chief, uh, the Halo Master Chief collection on there. And that's really all I need it for, despite the fact that I don't play on that Xbox. But all I wanted was a 4K device. I'm like, eh, the Xbox One is cheap enough. I got the Slim. It's uh, tiny and tiny and fits right in to my entertainment console. So the Switch looks like a toaster. Uh... The PS5 looks like a Wi-Fi router. The Xbox Series X looks like... A fridge. Yeah, like a mini fridge. Not the best aesthetics for for, for this generation. Yeah, I don't know who designs these, but they don't look elegant in any way. No. Like, the Xbox Series X, like... I don't care if they're selling it for, like, $50, honestly, like... I don't want that fucking thing sitting in my house. <laughs> it's like two game cubes on top of each other. Uh, it's way smaller than that, though. It is like probably like height-wise two game cubes, but it's like sig- like the actual square itself is relatively small. That's the other thing is like every picture is like a close-up on it. It's like you get no sense of scale. Uh, actually, someone used the USB ports on the front of the, or on the consoles to do a rough estimate as to the size of them. So uh, the PS5. Seems like you're, seems like you're overthinking it. Uh, not really. But the PS5 is supposed to apparently be massive compared to all other consoles. Like, it's going to be probably about 15% larger lengthwise than the PS4. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is I don't need it to fucking look like anything. It just It's just going to sit by my TV. I I don't know. I really like my uh, PS4 Slim because it actually sits, like, on the fucking uh, TV stand under the TV and doesn't get in the way of it. Mm-hmm. But, like, the PS5 is, like, vertical, 
Nope. So it's going to be in the way? Nope. Can I lay it on its side? You you can lay it on its side. I don't know why they didn't show that more clearly, but uh, Push Square, one of the sites dedicated to Sony, was like, yo, you can totally put it on its side, which was my biggest concern. I'm like, oh, that changes my entire setup. Like, now all I can do is just take the PS4, chuck it across the room, and then put in my PS5. It's fine. (laughs) That was my biggest concern, too. Yeah, the solid state's great. Uh, if you look at like, so it'll look like sleepy Kaiba. Yeah. Uh, the, the black parts of the, the console, uh, if you look are just basically fans, like it's, it's literally like the, the middle is basically nothing but fans because it's like, holy fuck, your PS4 sounds like a jet engine sometimes. And, uh, that fixes it. Like they, they said they spent more time on cooling than really anything else with this console. It makes sense. I don't know. Heat management is like actually a really complex technical issue like you can make better and bigger processors but like once it gets to a certain point like you just can't get it to transfer heat any quicker so there's like that's more of a an engineering bottleneck than you might think Mm -hmm. so yeah to nobody's surprise uh video games are still going to be made uh let's go into a segment called what's your swill can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Alright, so I tapped into some Eagle Rare bourbon for no reason. Uh, I gave it a good middle finger's worth of bourbon. Uh, and really by that I mean a middle finger and a half because uh, my eyesight isn't too good. And then I plopped it in an ice cube. And it's uh, very delicious. I'm also having bourbon. What kind? Well, now that I've uh, moved into my new apartment, uh, everything old is new again. Uh, And by that, I mean I've mixed uh, Old Crow bourbon with uh, my new Coke that I finally cracked open, uh, which I bought all the way back when Stranger Things 3 came out. Holy fuck! And uh, I was going to... uh, try to share it with you and like we just never got together and i decided that um you think you can't take coke with you when you die so i'm just gonna enjoy it (laughs) you uh you probably well we the the plan was was when we had that stranger things lego set we were gonna drink new coke and build it but your new coke didn't get there in time for that as for the new coke itself it fucking tastes like coke i don't know i don't know why everybody in the 80s freaked out that new Coke was different. I don't know, it's a little sweeter. Like, it's more... Like, it's in bet- it tastes like somebody mixed Coke and Pepsi. That's it. All right, so do you have Mexican Coke where you are? I do not. Mmm, that's a shame. I do. Uh, so I should probably try to send you some. But my, my experiment to you is this. Uh, try to find... Try to get Coke, new Coke, and Mexican Coke, and see which one you prefer. Okay. Um, and as for the bourbon, it's uh, Dr. James Crow's Old Crow, the original Sour Mash Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. You know it, you hate it. It's awful. <laughs> Why did you buy... So is it like $4? Is that is that the the allure? Uh, it's like 10 bucks a bottle-ish, 10 to 15. Um, I bought it to use as a mixer, because like, that's what... <laughs> bottom shelf alcohols for is making mixed drinks 
Oh, then, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, I see what you're your saying. your higher end bourbon is for drinking by itself. Makes sense. All right. Um, I suppose why don't we get into some news? Oh shit! It's mail time. Uh, so <laughs> due to your influence on uh critics. With your inside scoop on Netflix movies, uh, The Last Days of American Crime is a 0% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Donald Glover, good.gif. Because <laughs> uh, that, that uh, wow. Like, uh, I know Colby was talking about watching it, I think after, um, oh no, it was, uh, well, in the middle of my edit. I was about three minutes from completing the episode when Colby's like, I'm starting the last days of American crime. I'm 20 minutes in and I feel like I'm falling asleep. I'm like, Colby, just wait. Just wait two minutes. Let me fucking just publish the episode so you understand how bad it is. Uh, it really is that bad. Like, it's not It's not so bad it's good. Like, it, this isn't Alien Private Eye or anything like that. Like, it's, it's just bad. Uh, it, it's a waste of time. It's two and a half hours. Like, if it was 90 minutes and yeah. kind of bad, like... Eh, it's probably it's probably entertaining ish, but it's it's two and a half hours. Don't waste your time. You like spend two and a half hours on the new Spike Lee movie. Spoilers. The other day, I thought that I was watching the last days of American Crime on Netflix, but it turned out that I was just staring at a bag of trash that somebody left on the street. Was it lit on fire? Not at the time. It was when I left. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, as you were leaving, it was the last days of American Crime. Because that, that, that movie, <sighs> apparently it was directed by the guy who did Taken's 2 and 3, which is all you Taken need to know. Taken 2, Retaken. Yeah, that's all you need to know about those, that movie is that the guy who directed the Taken's, that isn't the original Taken, uh, don't watch it. Uh, if you haven't already, and uh, you you didn't listen to my review from last week, don't watch it. Like, the critics aren't wrong here. Typically, when, when it's a 0%, there is no redeeming factor. And I know 0% is kind of meaningless, because it's like, but that's like, how many people recommend this movie? Nobody. Nobody <laughs> recommends this movie. Avoid. All right. Um, the U.S. military could lose the trademark for Space Force to Netflix. Uh, this is a weird function of U.S. copyright law in which uh, the copyright goes to whoever uses the copyright first and mm -hmm. not who files it first. Mm -hmm. uh, and since the Netflix show Space Force came out before the military branch uh, launched officially, um, here we are. Uh, yeah. It's it's a weird quirk, but the, here's the thing: is like the I haven't looked at the trademark. Uh, which, by the way, this show's trademarked. Like the name the name of this show is actually trademarked, uh, officially mm -hmm. trademarked too. Like active trademark. Like Netflix did not dispute the fact that we use their name in our name. Which uh, either a we went way under the radar for them and they don't care, or b they like we are too dissimilar to not do anything. Yeah. Uh, regardless, but also like. We just have it now because, like, the way trademark works is like if you don't actively defend your trademark, you don't have that trademark. 
So we just have Netflix and Swill now. Yeah. And like, really, they can't do shit. Yeah. So we're, we're a trademark show. I don't know what. Oh, no, I do know why we, we, we did that. And then uh, that kind of fizzled out. But regardless, I, I'm glad we still did it. But you can, there's different categories for trademarking. And I'm pretty sure Netflix is going like the trademark for Netflix is like under an entertainment category, or as a, where like the military branch can still use Space Force, but under a different kind of category, and like right, it'll be it'd be fine. They people say this, but I don't think that's necessarily true. I still think the the actual military branch is going to get this name. It's going to be trademarked. It's just going to be trademarked under a different category that really isn't going to be mistaken for Netflix. And that's like where the legal basis is coming from. Mm-hmm. So really, if anything, all they did was just lose the race to trademark first and then defend right. said trademark. So we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Uh, it, it'll be very interesting to watch uh, the U S government versus Netflix. <laughs> What a fucking time to be alive. Oh, man. Uh, hey, you remember that show Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah, I it, do. It, uh, it featured Robert Stack. Uh, Update. Yeah. In this show, we're going to find out who gives a shit about Bigfoot. Update. <laughs> no one gives a shit, so fuck him. Well, update on Unsolved Mysteries. It's coming back. It's going to hit Netflix on July 1st with uh, six episodes. Brand new episodes. Uh, and in case you're wondering, Robert Stack is dead, so they're going hostless w- for those episodes. Like they're, I think they're just going to have like a, a generic voiceover person. Yeah. There's going to be no That's one on screen. Honestly, better than trying to replace Robert Stack because anybody who remembers and gives a shit about Unsolved Mysteries would not accept anybody other than Robert Stack because he was perfect at it. Yeah. That that's the only thing I know Robert Stack from, honestly. And mm. I know like he was a relatively famous Hollywood actor until like I think his child was abducted, uh, and, and basically like his and then killed. And then his thing was like, oh well, I'm gonna do unsolved mysteries because you know, uh, I want to help people who bef- like befall this a similar situation. And you know, unsolved mysteries does have those updates where it's like, update this person was caught. Uh, in regards to this crime, and it's like, oh, that's yeah. great. Like, Unsolved Mysteries actually did things. And you know what? They actually, yeah, like, th- they would be like, hey, here's a composite sketch or whatever of a suspect, and people, like, he- like, here's the show's hotline, and, like, people would just call in and uh, say, like, hey, I saw that motherfucker at the 7-Eleven, and Unsolved Mysteries would notify local authorities, and they'd be like, all right, well, here... Here's where the guy's at. Go, baby legs, go kill the criminal. Now get out there, you two. You got a criminal to kill. <laughs> uh, you know who, like that being said, you know who I would be excited about seeing as a host for this? I'm interested. Jonathan Frakes. <sighs> Kinda, but I'd also think too much back to UFOs. Uh, that remember that remember that fucking thing we did about UFOs and Jonathan Frakes yeah. was the narrator. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want mm. Jonathan Frakes doing shit. You can't deny Commander William T. Riker. 
So yeah, uh, be on the lookout for Unsolved Mysteries. I hope, you know, like, they have p- different episodes directed by different people. So, and, like, I know, like, the underlying tone is that, like, hey, this is in order to help people, like, give as much details as, of these crimes as possible. Like, hey, maybe maybe something like this happened to you. Maybe you have details. Like, let's try to connect things through police departments because for some reason police departments don't talk. Thanks, Unbelievable, for letting us know. Uh, so let's, like, share information. Let's let's try to get, like, a, a conversation about this kind of stuff. But ultimately, the episodes are still entertaining. Like, this, watching the shows are still entertaining, to a degree. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I guess, cautiously optimistic about it. I hope you're ready for this. This is, uh, this is a lot of news. So, uh, details are coming out about Netflix's deal with the American Cinematheque, uh, in regards to the Egyptian theater. Uh, so I'm just going to do a quick blast of all the notable stuff, uh, which you can Give also read, facts. which you can also read over on our Twitter account. But uh, so the deal runs for 99 years. That said, uh, Netflix can sell out of that deal after 12. So Netflix is locked in for 12 years uh, of this deal, like where they they have to hold on to American Cinematheque, which ultimately I think is good for Netflix, and that's what they want is they want a theater in Los Angeles, and in New York, so that way they can do the whole Oscar showcase thing for their movies. And I wouldn't be surprised if when restrictions get lifted, if we see stuff like Defy Bloods in theaters, and just being, okay, we're going to have Spike Lee here for a Q&A. Or, or like uh, any, other, any of their movies, really. I'd go to L.A. to see that. I, I wish I could go to L.A. to see that. I wish I'd lived in L.A. to see that. It's like, now that they own a theater, because it, it was the one thing I was saying they should do in L.A., I was like, eh, no, I wish I was in L.A., but then I'm like, oh, wait, there's too much space in L.A., so, fuck it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Good old Hollywood. <laughs> uh, so Cinematech still has free rent, so basically Netflix is like, yo, uh, we own you, but you, and, like, we own the theater, but you don't have to do anything, like. We're, we're, you get you get rent free, uh, and they also get a forty four thousand two hundred fifty dollar a month stipend for uh, employee salaries. Neat. So Netflix is paying. Uh, fuck. Eh. What is that? Roughly a million dollars? No, more than that. I have no idea. I'm I'm not doing the math right now. But they're paying like they're paying about forty five thousand dollars a month uh, for employee salaries for Amer- American Cinema Tech. Uh, so American Cinema Tech will run events on, uh, Friday through Sunday. Uh, so that's like their, their typical screenings and stuff of like classic movies and such. Uh, and Netflix will get Monday through Thursday to do premiere events or, uh, other events that they want to do. And they can freely swap if they negotiate it. So like if for some reason Netflix wants to be like, Hey, we want a Saturday premiere. American Cinema Tech can be like, all right, well we get Tuesday or something. Who cares? <laughs> For you, the day M. Bison came to your village was the worst day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great quote in an otherwise uh, movie. A- anymore, all you have to say is Tuesday, and I have to say the line. That's fair. Hi, Booker, or Maggie. Maggie. Hi, Maggie. All right, uh, the most important thing. At least that I that I discovered, uh, American Cinematheque cannot screen Netflix competitors specifically, and specifically these companies' movies: Apple, Amazon, Disney, and Warner. 
Uh, they cannot screen their movies <laughs> during award season without Netflix's consent. Okay. Which uh, I think that makes sense. Uh, that's slightly significant because that probably removes a lot of options for Cinematech in what they're doing. But, well, it depends. Uh, if if more catalogs keep getting bought up, then this will be more significant. But I think right now there's enough free room with everything else. Like Sony's not mentioned here. Uh, Paramount's not mentioned here. I, I think I think there's enough room for American Cinematech to keep working out uh, without stepping on Netflix's toes. Unless like it hits a point where it's like, hey, this is a definite contender from Disney. Uh, we want to screen it, and Netflix just goes no. But if, that, if that's the case, like who cares? Like if if it's a contender, it's a contender. It's not going to really affect anything. So just an interesting quirk. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I um. I would like to go sometime. I I hope that I can get to take a trip and uh see a Netflix movie in a theater sometime. Well, you're in a better area now, so uh, po- possibly. I I say that you haven't been to a single movie since you moved because they've been closed. So who knows? Maybe you're actually uh in a similar area. But it, it's possible. Um, I mean, honestly, my. I was I was probably like a half hour to 45 minutes away from a really good movie theater. I just never really wanted to make the trip and only did so once to see Infinity War because we got VIP seating. Ooh. Or not Infinity War, Endgame. Ooh. Which uh, was great. This is a really good experience. That's the best way I could have seen that movie. That's like me and my AMC. I just go to the AMC and I'm like, ah, good. Seating where I want it to be. I mean, I think if the Alamo wasn't so far away, I'd go there because I remember it. Uh, but I don't know. The AMC uh, does me right well enough, uh, the f- despite the fact that I would never be able to see a Netflix movie there. Hmm. Let's see. I've got the premier theater near me. It has a three-star Yelp review. Yikes. Uh, which looks like because it's uh one angry person who got mad at a cashier. What does it say? Uh, one cashier, one concession stand, server, and lines of people. They were mad that they had to wait in the line. Oh, uh, okay. That's stupid. Here's another one-star review for that theater that says, uh, he hated it because you have to, like, pick your seats whenever you buy your tickets. Which what? to me sounds like a huge plus. Yes. I I am going to go to this theater all of the time. <laughs> you have to pick your tickets when you 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 get there or before yeah. when you buy your ticket. It, it's it's rather I'd rather do I'd rather gamble on on my seat choice than know directly when I want my ticket or where I want my ticket. Like come on. I love the IMAX seating. Like like I had the Cinemark and I would always do reserve seating. Yeah. Always. It was great. Fucking! You literally can't please I, I everybody. I hate the anymore. average movie goer. Oh, so I honestly much. fucking fucking go eat your goddamn popcorn through a funnel that you put in your mouth and dump Mountain Dew down it and fucking shut up. It is why I go as early as possible to movies because nobody else is up at that hour, except for the olds. And the olds mainly shut up. They're just like, ah, we yeah. un- we understand cinema. Well, watch well, this really, and be quiet. 
I really enjoy my work schedule too now because uh, I work every Saturday and Sunday because uh, like the head manager at our store uh, just works Monday through Friday. Of course he does. So I work every Saturday and Sunday, but I get uh, Wednesday, Thursday off every week. And that's like prime time to fucking prime time to do things. Yeah, to do things. When, like, everybody else is working so I can avoid everybody and practice my social distancing, which I didn't realize, like, I never had that verbiage for what my uh, chosen lifestyle was. (laughs) So that's the silver lining to the coronavirus pandemic, I guess. Yeah, when I went, when I got unemployed uh, the first time, when I, you know, had uh, much money in order to go spend on things, I would go, like... I'd wake up and be like, all right, do you want to go see a movie today? Yeah, sure, fuck it. I, and I'd go like during like a, a, a 10 a.m. screening on like a, a Wednesday when no one could possibly be in the theater. And I'm like, this is the greatest experience of my life. Going and sitting in a movie theater when there's not a single other human in that movie theater is one of the greatest experiences you can have. Yeah. Well, I like the, my Sonic ex- experience. I went uh, to uh, Dolby Vision. And Dolby uh, Atmos surround sound. Oh, Caleb, you could hear him go so fast the whole time. He was going so fast, but like there was nobody there. Like it was kids, and they're like, "Oh, look at Sonic!" And I'm like, "Oh man, look at Sonic!" (laughs) I've never seen a movie scene greater than whenever Sonic picked up the turtle so that the turtle could go fast. Yeah, yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah, and cinematic perfection. And then he started doing the flossing dance that all the kids like. And then I clapped. I saw Darth Vader's red lightsaber. Uh, well, we've talked a lot about the movie theater experience, so let's talk about some movies that definitely aren't hitting the movie theater screen anytime soon. And downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Alright, our first trailer is for Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Starring Ricky Bobby and Regina George. I watched the first minute and a half of this trailer, and it looks fine. So, I didn't actually watch this trailer. uh, Mainly because I clicked on it, and it was three minutes. Uh, Instead, I recommend you all look for the teaser trailer, which is basically just a music video of Fire Saga singing a Europop trash song. And it's a very good song. It's it's, it's actually a good song. Uh, The... The music video is entertaining, and that's all I really needed to get me excited for this movie. Uh, so I'm I'm not watching that trailer. I don't care what you do; it's just not happening. I'm I'm no longer watching more than a minute and a half of trailers now. So that's fair. If if they can't figure out how to cut the trailer, I will cut it for them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, that will be a main review topic for the end of the month. But uh, so look forward to that. All right. Uh, our next trailer is for Feel the Beat. Um, so what I gathered from the first minute and a half of this trailer is that it's a dance movie and I will never watch it. Yeah. Uh, basically, this girl who was on Broadway uh, pisses off the wrong person. She's like, your career is over. She throws an old lady off the stage. Yep. Uh, her career's over, so she goes back to Wisconsin to make G's. Uh, and then trains a, a bunch of little girls to... Uh, win a dance competition so she can get back in the yeah. good graces of Broadway people. In in two weeks. Yep. And uh, 
at the end of the movie, she's going to face a decision about going and living her dream or helping the kids who love her. And she's going to choose the kids after it makes it seem like she's choosing her career. Oh, man. Did you already see this movie? Uh, no, but I've seen Major Pain, which is that exact plot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, that was a joke because that is a, a fair, it's fairly obvious that that's what it's going to be. Or the other thing is, is like the kids, like she wants to stay with the kids. Then the kids are like, fuck you, idiot. Go, go to Broadway. We'll go, we'll come see you. And then the final scene is her being on Broadway and the kids are all in the, in, in the, in the audience and they're clapping. So here's so, how you make that plot line actually interesting. Uh, have the character realize that she can actually do both things. What do you mean I gotta do both? <laughs> That's not compelling, Caleb. You gotta pick one or the other. Yeah. All right, uh, our next trailer is for Dark Season 3. Uh, you've never seen an episode of this. I've seen both seasons. Uh, I literally cannot tell you how this show is going to end. Like, there, there's no... Pre- like. The show is one of the most unpredictable things I've ever seen, and I love it from that aspect. But it's also, uh, I also watch it in native German with subtitles, and it is literally impossible to follow sometimes. So, uh, I recommend Dark if you want to read, like, if you're able to read subtitles, pay attention to everything that's going on the screen. Like, this is one of those things, this is one of those shows where I wish it was, like, a good English dub. Uh, as opposed to uh, whatever is on Netflix, because like I wish I could just listen and then use my eyes to focus on what's happening on the screen, as opposed to the the white text on the bottom. This is one of the few instances where I think a dub is more appropriate. There, and I'm sure there is a dub, unless you can sprick and see Deutsch, baby. And I can't. So that was that was a Beck reference. Thanks, Beck. Uh, but. Uh, if you're, if you're unaware of dark, uh, the general premise is that, uh, there's this cave in this town that, uh, can send people, uh, 38, I think it's 38, uh, 38 years into the future or 38 years into the past, uh, from that, from that specific instance that they go through the cave. Uh, do they get to choose? Yeah, they can, uh, you, you go one way or the other and you can go into the future or the past. Oh. So, uh. It's a time travel thing. I think it's well written because mainly like the time like everything flows from a time travel perspective. Like it's not some stupid bullshit like where it's shoehorned in. It is the main concept and therefore like they they understood like all right, if we do this, well then this has to happen in this timeline. And it it constantly flows correctly. It's it's well written. It's just so dense. Like I I'm probably going to watch seasons 1 1 and 2 again. To understand what the fuck was going on. But uh, that's Dark. If you haven't watched Dark, I recommend it. Just pay attention. Put that phone down. See, that's what I have trouble with. Oh, I know. I think most people do at home. It's one of those things where it's like, I wish I would go to be able to go to like a movie theater and like watch a show with people. Like, you know, like every Sunday you're just watching one episode of Dark together. And you're, all yeah. your phones are away, and you're just paying attention to what's happening on screen. All right. Um, the next trailer is for the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a game show called The Floor is Lava. 
Uh, it's about people jumping from object to object and trying not to fall in the fucking Kool-Aid. Yep. Uh, I remember hearing about this maybe a month and a half ago. And I was like, well, that's a stupid idea. Yeah. And then here, here it is realized on my screen. Well, they spent $15 on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll make like $10 million, So. Oh, yeah. People are, people are going to watch the fuck out of this. Because it's stupid, mindless garbage. Uh-huh. So, uh, good job, Netflix, for your next major success. Yep. Uh, surely, hot on the heels of this will be the next season of uh, Gate and Matarazzo's uh, prank show, Prank Encounters, uh, where he t- tricks people into looking like stupid idiots. <laughs> it's true. Uh, all right, uh, our final trailer is for uh, Crazy Delicious. This is a sh- this is a cooking show. This is a British baking show. It's I they don't, don't know. There's what's not going enough on. of those. I, I literally have no idea what's going on in this show. Like, apparently, you can just run around like this little garden area thing they have and pick anything. I was like, oh, yeah. this is so. A this thing. is this is in uh, Willy Wonka's magical dream room before Augustus Gloop fucks everything up. Um, everything's eatable. You can eat almost anything. Uh, they just run around the, the soundstage and pick up ingredients off the ground and they cook things out of them. Yep. Yep. That's, that's really it. Uh, I don't, I don't understand the appeal to this. So of course this is going to be a number on number one on Netflix for, yeah. uh, nine months. It has a gimmick, Dan. I mean, sure. But like, I don't. I I just uh, I don't see the appeal, and I'm sure a lot of people can be like, "This is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen." I don't know. Speaking of possibly not seeing the appeal, uh, why don't we move into quick hits? <laughs> Hi, people. Uh, Ashley is here to talk about Queer Eye season five. As I punch your boob accidentally. It's fine. Everything's fine. Hi, Caleb. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Excellent. Excellent. How's how's the move? Uh, going well so far. Excellent. 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 <laughs> Is it excellent? Excellent. excellent. So yeah, I just okay? found out I might be under another several more weeks of quarantine. I think it's a good thing though. I don't know how I'm going to go back to work after this. I truly don't. I'm not going to ever want to work again. So that's me. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, just getting settled. The dogs are happy. They seem to like the new place. Is Vanessa uh, there yet? Yep, oh, here she's here. I'm sitting here All having of my a furniture is here. Sitting here having a conversation like we're not in the middle of doing this podcast. I'm sorry. <sighs> Doy. It's okay. We don't banter enough and I have know. people complain about it on Twitter. Well, fuck them. <laughs> There's more to be mad about than if we banter on this fucking show twice. Correct. Anyway, so I watched Queer Eye. Uh, I was a little hesitant to do so because I felt like the last season, it was lacking something. Like It didn't have that emotional component for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this season, they kind of... It was a little more emotional, but it still felt super formulaic. And whether or not 
the guys are intending to, I feel like a lot of their personalities are amplified and kind of like, like yeah. reused I, a I lot. I feel like, I feel like there's just a director like standing slightly off screen, just screaming emote over and over. It's like now Jonathan say literally that is the cutest story. Little baby picture. I'm having a moment. Who gave us permission? <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie, though. I watched uh, Vanessa was watching this the other day when I got home from work. So I sat down and watched the episode where uh, they helped the uh, Lutheran priest who that was the first one. And that was my favorite one. I felt like yeah, that one had um, like genuine like emotion in it. Correct. I'm not too tough to admit that I was in tears by the end of it. Oh, yeah. That one got me. Um, there's just a couple other ones. Just, eh, it's fine. I mean, it's Queer Eye. You're going to get exactly what you expect. There's, there's no surprises here. There's some really corny transitions, like with dancing and like they invite the heroes in for like a dance segment. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, some of it's so corny and it makes it painful to watch, but (laughs) I think that's, that's the homage to the original show. So I'm kind of, I'm okay with it. I don't like it, but I get it. Uh, I don't know. I still think my favorite episode of this show is whenever they helped out the lady who had the barbecue restaurant. Those two ladies, the sisters. Yeah. Oh my god, I oh my loved god. them I so much. I sobbed the whole way through that one. I fucking sobbed like a little bitch. I had to be careful when I was watching this. A, not to watch it when I was stoned because then like I felt it more intensely and it made me like actually upset. And then two, I couldn't start watching it like first thing in the morning because then that would kind of like fuck with my emotions for the whole day. So those are my recommendations for this show. (laughs) (laughs) Don't watch it when you're stoned or or, first thing. Or you could do what I do and just bottle up all your emotions and push them deep, deep down where they can never get you. I mean, I do that and then some fucking weird thing uncorks it and I'm sobbing at Dan first thing in the morning for no reason because like, did I have some dream where you were like... I don't remember. I can't. I can only remember my dreams the first five minutes I wake up, and then it's like a feeling more than anything I can describe. Caleb sits in silence as he resonates on what a weird thing that was to say. I'm just trying back, to see man. if I can remember any dreams that I've ever had. I can remember some, like especially the ones that I took the time to describe first thing in the morning. Then those stick with me a lot easier and a lot longer. But yeah, I used to I have used really to have fucking. Dreams. I had the most clear and weirdest dreams when I was taking like sleep aids or whatever to like help me sleep at night. I had some fucked up weird ass dreams on those. And then someone oh, yeah. yelled at her to stop using those. And now I drink sleepy time tea the, like a pussy. Those aren't sleep aids. That was DMT. Yeah. Wait, is that the, is that Molly? No. What's DMT? No. DMT is, that the is a chemical. DMT is the chemical that your brain actually secretes that. Uh, it causes you to dream, but like you can get like a synthetic form of it. Oh God, no! In drug form that like makes you have like very vivid hallucinations. I feel like that's begging for something to go wrong. Uh, yes, it's uh, yeah, it it's a thing. You get trapped in a dream that feels like it's fifty five years long in real time, and like yeah. horrible things happen, and you can't escape it. I feel like if you're going to do that, just fucking go to Arizona, do some peyote, and have a fucking vision quest. Or just go fucking find somebody who sells shrooms, brew some tea, and sit on your porch and enjoy the stars. Or just fucking shoot yourself in the head. Drugs are bad. 
Okay. <laughs> you do drugs, Brian. <laughs> Dan's back. So I guess I'm leaving. Hi, Dan. Well, it was lovely talking to you. It was lovely talking to you. I almost knocked over the microphone. Uh oh. This fucking woman is like it's like she's never been on a podcast before. Oh, I get so nervous. I do. Oh. Am I blowing this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I still get so fucking nervous every time. Because you're a dipshit. Correct. Okay, I love you guys. Bye. 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 Here, here's your other ear hole. I don't need the other ear hole. Well, just drop it. Did she just do the Vanessa Gecko buy? And look at where it gets me. Yes. I hope this all stays in of you just trying to figure out how to communicate with each other. I just want to beat her to death. I just say it's going to happen, Caleb. It's going to happen. It would be so easy. She fucking moved the mic stand. Like she dragged it close to her and it's like, uh, I'm going to be I'm I'm moving. I just need to transition you away so that way you can possibly segue into what Caleb is saying. Does she speak directly into the microphone? Uh no, she's like off to the side. Okay. Ish. But when we podcast together, uh yes, she does. She holds uh, she like it's like directly pointed at her face and it's like I can hear all your plosives, bubby. Uh, and now that I'm back, uh, I can talk about Parasite the Maxim. So I watched like seven more episodes, uh, and we get to the part where, uh, things happen. Uh, spoilers for Parasite the Maxim, if you care. Uh, basically, uh, his mom gets decapitated by one and then, uh, is replaced by it. And then, uh, she comes home, stabs him in the heart. She's like, oh, well, he's dead. So the par- his parasite's like, yo, I gotta, I gotta fix him by, you know, basically inserting myself as his heart and then like filtering myself back to his right arm yeah. through his bloodstream. So th- this is how like he gets his fantastic secret powers is like basically he m- like fully merges with the parasite. Mm-hmm. So like when the parasite reemerges as his arm again, like uh it loses like 30% of its cells throughout his body and they just fucking turn him into superhuman. Where he's just like Wolverine, where he heals really fast and can fucking jump onto the roofs of buildings and never take damage because he has um a lot of a lot more hit points. And he can run forever without being tired very fast. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. I, I it's interesting. There's an interesting philosophy. Uh, oh my god, philosophical. Yeah. Uh philosophical discussion on like wh- like what it is to be human. Because, like, there's one character who always asks the question, like, are you Shinichi? And, and it's right. like, what the, why are you always asking that question? But then, like, we get to this arc where he's more parasite. There's more parasite to him. And they ask yeah. that question again. And it's like, oh, this makes more thematic sense with what's going on. Because that's, that's the trade-off to it is, like, for for a while he kind of loses his humanity. And he's, like, thinking in the cold logic of the parasite. Because, like, the parasites are actually very intelligent and, like, hyper-analytical. Hyper-logical. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's like Spock. Like, you're, you're, you have Spock living inside you. Yeah, so, like, they're, they're perfectly adapted to what they are because, like, they, they can always find the most, uh, the most assured, like, path to survival. Because that's all they really care about is to survive and spread and feed. 
man, it reminds me a lot of Spider-Man. Like now, now that he's got his superpowers, like it's, it's a lot of like, well, this is grow, like this is you growing up. This is you like learning what to do with your powers, like, like how how to like balance your powers with like your personal life. I I, I appreciate it from that aspect, and uh, that dubstep step score, killer, killer dubstep yeah. score. Well, what do you think of the uh, actual main theme for this? Because it sounds kind of like uh, a dubstep Alisana song. <laughs> I like it. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, I can get into this. Yeah, the mu- yeah. like the music for the whole thing is fucking killer. So, oh yeah, uh, I'm probably not gonna talk about it again until I finish it. But yeah, Parasite the Maxim, it's it's interesting. It, it it got much deeper than I thought it would. Like I never yeah. thought we'd get to a philosophical discussion over what it means to be human. In, in anime. like I I kind of started it as just like a throwaway show that um I could just watch in my hotel room alone and like not have to worry about whether or not Vanessa got to watch it with me. But now I really want to rewatch it with her because I think that she would really enjoy it too. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I started watching The Disaster Artist. I haven't had time to finish it, so I'll, I'll save that to talk about later as my dog Ma- yells at me. Ma- yeah, Maggie doesn't like that you didn't finish a movie. <sighs> She's going to have to deal with it. That's what she gets for making me pick her poop up in a bag now instead of leaving it lay because I'm not in the country anymore where I lived like a savage. All right. Well, uh, with that, let's uh, take a little break here. And when we come out of that break, we're going to talk about the newest Spike Lee joint to hit Netflix, Defy Bloods, starring uh, Delroy Lindo and Chadwick Boseman. But most importantly, Delroy Lindo. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to talk about our main review topic for the week. Spike Lee's new film joint, Da Five Bloods. Da Five Bloods is a brand new 2020 drama war film. Uh, it is a criminally low 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam, seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Directed by Spike Lee, written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, and stars Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and Chadwick Boseman, among others. Uh, give me a quick hot take on The Five Bloods. All right. Now I want to preface by saying, I like this movie. I don't love this movie, 
I have some problems with some of the directorial choices that Spike Lee made, uh, and I will talk about those. But uh, we say it many, many times on this show, and I know you're going to echo my thoughts on this. Uh, I don't care about the Oscars, but if there is, uh, there's always one award every year I get behind. Uh, this is the year I get behind Delroy Lindo for Best Lead Actor. Yeah, um, a career-defining performance. How often have we gotten to see say that on this show? Uh, he he absolutely floored me in this. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Uh, there's definitely some non-conventional like choices with the direction of the movie. Um, but for me, that all kind of worked. Like whenever they drop into like the flashbacks, they do, um, like it changes to a four by three aspect ratio. I like that. And it's, and it's like in, like, it looks like it's actually shot in Technicolor. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it has a film grain effect and it's uh, like the colors kind of pop more. It wouldn't surprise me at all if like they shot the actual parts that take place in Vietnam on period accurate like cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, loved that. I, I actually really liked that they just have the older actors in those scenes instead of having like young younger actors play them. See, for me, that is uh, extremely jarring because like. At first, I'm like, okay, well, they're just they're just doing the old guys in these positions, so that way you know which one is which. And I'm waiting for them to switch that's, to younger actors. I think that's the main practical part, but also like, I I kind of also took it to mean that like this isn't necessarily what literally happened. This is how they remember what happened, and that's fair. And that's kind of the way I thought of it. Is like these are their like collective memories of these events, and like this is them remembering it as an old man. So. Who knows what actually happened? So there's there's a few other things like that. Like at one point, Delroy Lindo like just totally drops the premise that he's in a movie and starts speaking directly at the camera for like five straight minutes, mm-hmm. which is actually an incredible scene. Oh yeah. Um. So I'm not super familiar with Spike Lee's body of work, but this is one hell of an introduction and like really got me interested to check out more of his work. Uh, I loved this. Okay. Uh, so I want to talk about a couple things that didn't work for me, and we can kind of like bounce back and forth. So like obviously we talk about the like the old men portraying themselves, even though very obviously during the the actual battle scenes, like the running around was done by younger men. Uh, it, it's like to considerable degree. Like it was it was almost like it's a, a pulp movie made from that time, where it's like yeah, we understand it's a bit cheesy, but. You know, just go with it. It's 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 whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. The other thing that didn't work for me, really, was that when they talk about, when they refer to somebody or something, they'll cut to a photo of it, as opposed to, like, just letting the moment happen. It, it almost felt like it was Family Guy for for a bit, where it was like, hey, we're talking about this person, here's a picture of them. Hey, we're talking about this moment, here's a picture of it. And, like, to a degree, it works. Like, I think, like, talking about a specific moment in history works. Talking about a person doesn't. I think that's just a very spikely thing. Like, um, obviously, like, his his films deal with, you know, like, the political experience of blackness. And, like, this film specifically is about 
the human cost as it pertains to uh, black GIs in the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. I get that criticism of it. It it worked for me for what it was. Sure. Like, I understand why he did it. And, like, like I think that's one of the things that really, like, being able to do stuff like that specifically is why Spike Lee never went, like, super mainstream. Because his whole thing is, like, film as art and, like, making uh political statements and like statements about you know uh what society values and kind of juxtaposing like the the big scale historical event with like the minutia of how like individual people deal with that right i think the other thing and this isn't i don't think this is bad i it, it's definitely jarring because i didn't expect the movie to start like this but it basically is like a film reel like a collection of film reels all strung together with like significant moments from the 60s like the late 60s early 70s you know uh martin luther king speaking uh we have i think the south the south vietnamese prime minister getting shot in the street uh and they actually show the whole video clip of him getting shot in the head falling to the ground and then bleeding from his head and you're, it's just, it's just a very jarring thing to see, like just watching someone like there, there's that subreddit, people fucking dying. That's what I felt like I saw with that. And I can't get it out of my head. And that, I think that was, I think that particular clip was a little too much because I don't understand its purpose really within the context of the, the film on a grand scale. Yeah. And, um, this film's very visceral, like, uh, even when you know <laughs> the horrible things are going to happen, mm-hmm. you're not ready for it when they do. Um, I really liked the addition of, like, the Hanoi Hannah scenes, because, like, that was a real thing from the war. There was, you know, she was, like, a radio personality, but, like, um, I liked how they used that within the context of the film. Right. Oh no. No, like it it made per- it made perfect sense. Uh they even and I felt really smart when I when I uh saw it, but they used the the clip of Muhammad Ali talking about why he's not going to fight in the the Vietnam War and he's like, "Well, no no Vietnamese person ever called me the N-word." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I referenced that specific thing when we were talking about this before." So I I, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm like a super smart guy who can recall facts from history." Oh yeah. But yeah, like the the Hanoi Hannah, like she she brought up a lot of facts. It was and it was basically just like, hey, you make up thirty two percent of the armed forces. Like if you, if and if the armed forces lost thirty, like a, a third of their presence, be, because like all the black GIs just left, uh, and just like decided to fuck off, like that that's an insane amount. Like that's like that's such a massive amount. And of course, like they're gonna juxtapose that against like, hey, there's like you make up eleven percent of the population, but thirty two percent of you are here. Like, you make up 32% of the soldiers here. Like, what's up with that? Like, why are you fighting for these people? Yeah. Uh, Because Donald Trump wouldn't go. Yeah. Who, uh, oh, fuck. Oh, they they even mentioned that. And this this movie is actually, like, very scathing to Donald Trump. uh, In so much as, like, they they highlight his platform, but from a different lens than you're expecting. Because Delroy Lindo's character, Paul, plays 
a MAGA hat wearing right wing black man. Yeah. Which to me is a stroke of fucking genius. Absolutely. Um, his character makes you feel so many things simultaneously. It like he is an absolute fucking tour de force in this because like at the same time, he's sympathetic, but you're just like, well, I would never in a million years do that. But then you think of all the horrible things that he's been through and you get it, but you still hate him for it. Yeah. And he, he, he absolutely, he sells it so well. And they even go through it a lot. Like they're all affected by PTSD, but he's clearly affected the most. Like any, like there's this, this and, scene with a, a chicken salesman on a boat and it just, it just goes for forever. And it's, it's a rough scene. And I don't mean that in terms of like, it's rough to look at. I mean, it's, it's rough to experience and feel what those characters are feeling. Cause like there's a oh, lot yeah. of animosity on both sides of the equation and both of them are well-founded. And I mean, the other thing is, um, I don't know how much you want to get into spoilers, but like Paul also has like a terrible dark secret that he keeps from oh, everybody yeah, I wanna, else in the yeah, group let's, that let's like that. he uh that like he's he's even carrying like that much more extra weight. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just it's something that's like just ever present in his mind and just completely drives him insane, especially like when he actually gets back into Vietnam and like everything starts coming back to him. Right. Well, they even mention it. It's, uh, it's kind of funny when they're, they're walking outside of McDonald's and they're like, well, I mean, looks like all we really had to do was bring McDonald's here to, uh, you know, introduce some like civilization. And like, I think about it from the perspective of first they killed my father, which like that's Leo. I think that's Laotian, but it's still like the, uh, the same area basically. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's a lot of like villages, not like and the cities are not great looking. But then you compare it to Hanoi now, and it's like oh oh my god! Like it's like you could confuse it with an American metropolitan area where it's just like it's it's tons of people. It's really bright. It's very commercial versus what they were fighting in, which was jungle, jungle, jungle. And you you get to that jungle, and you're like ah here's. Here's the side where they really understand it. And that's where Paul's mind really starts to go is when they actually hit the jungle, because then it's really bringing up those horrible memories of his time in Vietnam. Yeah. One thing that this movie really did effectively was to reinforce my hatred of landmines. Uh, I hope that hell is real so that the person who invented landmines can be blown up by them over and over and over for all of eternity. Yeah. Uh, so we get introduced to this group called LAM, and I, th- I can't remember the exact ac- acronym. Like what uh, it all means. Love Against Mines and Bombs. Okay. Well, th- thank you. Uh, their basic job is to sweep Vietnam for landmines and deactivate them. So that mm-hmm. way no one, like, like you see the shot at the end of the movie with like a bunch of kids who like have had limbs blown off from landmines. And you're, you're just like, this is fucking horrible. Uh, and once that's introduced and once she's like, well, there's, they're just all over the jungle. I had this pit in my stomach because I'm like, one of these guys is going to step on a landmine. We're going to see one or more landmines in this movie. And, uh, this isn't a spoiler because like, obviously they get the gold. Like, obviously they find the gold. That entire scene and, and past it 
I like whenever the whenever they have uh, what the hell is his name with the the metal de- detector? I can't remember his name right now. Melvin's the one with the the metal detector, so he's like walking around with the metal. detector. Oh yeah, that's right. He's walking around the metal detector and it's beeping, and then like. Every time it beeps, there's this pit in my stomach like, oh, fuck, he's going to step on a landmine. Oh, fuck, he's going to step on a landmine. And yeah. It just keeps going. It's just an, it's just an ever-present looming fear and over like, the movie. They don't explicitly say it either. Like It's like, hey, Lamb exists, like, they're doing this. But it's like... The, the, it, fact it, that, <laughs> the fact that there's still a lot of active landmines in Vietnam is introduced very early in the film. Mm-hmm. And from then on, it's just Chekhov's landmine. Yeah. Where you know that one's going to go off eventually. Yeah. And I'm not going to say who, like, a, a landmine does go off, uh, and it is and horrifying. it's horrifying. It is horrible. Although, I, uh, the effect is a bit cheesy, because it really just felt like they had they buried a guy in sand and then just stuck, like, viscera <laughs> over over where his body would be. It has enough realism that, like, since you don't want to look directly at it, it sells it as being real for yeah. me. No, no, like I, I was, I even like you. You reflect on it, and you're like, "Wow, that's kind of a cheesy effect." But like in the moment, you're like, "Holy fuck!" Like I didn't, I didn't even expect him to still be sort of a, like alive with like viscera just hanging off of him. I expected him yeah. just to be in pe- like Tropic Thunder. No, that's uh. That's what landmines actually do. Um, they're awful. And, uh, yeah. I want to, uh, I do, I do want to circle back real quick when they're, when they're back in Hanoi, when they're at that bar and then that, uh, that kid comes in who with, with one leg on the crutch and he's like asking for money and then they give him 20 bucks and you kind of forget about him. Cause he's like, ah, oh, that's horrible. Like this, it's horrible. What happened to this kid because of landmines. And then, uh, the kid instantly unredeems himself by uh, purchasing firecrackers, and then as the black GIs, like the, as, as as Defy Bloods come out of the nightclub, he sets them off, and they all drop to the ground because they're in Vietnam and they're used to gun hearing gunfire. Like, and he's just pointing and laughing at them, and I'm like, well, fuck this kid in particular. Yeah, uh, children are terrible. What do you think of Chadwick Boseman as Storm and Norman? He he's fine. I don't think he gets a lot to do, and that's obviously by design, considering the fact that he is dead in the movie. He but he is that ever present thing. Like they're always referring to him. Like I at least understand why they followed him. Like he did seem like a well researched, well educated man, especially on black issues. Uh, and that kind of mm-hmm. that's that's what woke them up to it. Is is this guy? Because not everyone's like in the know. Like sometimes you do have to be told. Like you can't just like read the newspaper and be like, ah, black issue, or, you know, this is an issue. Like, sometimes you just need someone to be like, hey, this is an issue, here's why. He did that, and that's great. Uh, He obviously hangs a a very large specter over Paul for reasons, and I originally thought it was going to be one thing. I I did quite like Chadwick Boseman in this. Uh, He feels, like, larger than life in his background like mm-hmm. in the flashback scenes like because that's what he was to them like they even say like he was our malcolm and our martin like he was he was that kind of leader to them who had a way of just like explaining shit to them and like yeah. making them feel safe and making them a cohesive team whereas like during 
the plot of the film where like they don't have that influence they like very nearly tear each other apart on several occasions yeah i i I definitely could have done with more of him but i i liked his part a lot in this yeah but i mean like that's that was his part was just like hey he is this effervescent you know like entity around like he is Mm -hmm. he like he he's alive through them because they live for him basically all right um is there anything else that you want to talk about real quickly about the five bloods this could not have come out at a better time yeah it's 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 a very timely film it is one of the most timely movies i've ever seen uh in terms of marketing uh like netflix really didn't even have to market this uh although uh as of Friday, uh, Hannibal was still my featured thing on Netflix as opposed to this. For some reason, I don't, I don't Mine understand that. Mine has been that. fucking One Piece for some reason. Uh, shut up. I've been watching One Piece, actually. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Funimation dub. I can't, I can't help it. Uh, it's not the four kids dub, thank God. But for my introduction to Spike Lee, this is a nice beginning. I would like to go back and see other stuff and see like, okay, is it like, are there certain things that are the Spike Lee style? Like, uh, are, are like the picture inserts part of Spike Lee's style? Like, I understand like the docu- like the documentary-ish points at the beginning and end. Like, I, I, I totally get that. I'm totally behind those. But like the picture inserts randomly through, through the, the movie, that's not my favorite part of the movie by any stretch. It's probably my least favorite part, honestly, other than like a couple of things. The way he edits hugs is also weird. Uh, it's something I noticed, like, especially in the hotel scene, like anytime someone hugs somebody, they complete the act of the hug. And then he cuts to a different angle where they're just beginning the act of a hug. And I don't, I didn't really understand the point behind that, but (laughs) that might be a Spike Lee quirk. I don't know. I think I've said my piece on this. I don't want to spoil too much yeah. more. I, I, I feel like this is a film that uh, everyone should experience. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and try to experience it as fresh as possible. So, uh, This was included in Netflix's Black Lives Matter collection that they've recently put up on their, on their platform. So like they, underneath like the, the title card on... Uh, on Netflix, it'll say like Black Lives Matter collection, and like those are the, those are the movies they recommend that you watch if you like a one more of an education into what it is to be black in America. Uh, really, that really I don't know why I said a. Uh, that's really what it what it was. Uh, there's no other. There's no B two whatever. All right. I don't know. I'm an idiot. Uh, Caleb, what would you give the Five Bloods? I I haven't done this in a while. Um, I'm gonna give it the five. I I honestly love this movie. I want to watch it five more times because there's so much to unpack here. This is just something that I can keep going back to and just have a field day picking apart picking it apart and like trying to discern every little detail. And I love that kind of movie. Yeah. Uh like this movie has so much to say, and it's just jam packed with uh information so all right uh well once again i want to point out i like this i don't like it as much as caleb uh this is getting a seven out of ten 
That said, on rewatches, because I am going to rewatch this uh, for Swilly's time. When the Swilly's time comes around, I'm going to come at this with the kind of expecting, like understanding like what's actually happening on the screen and some of the choices that Spike Lee made. They're not going to be as jarring, so maybe I'll be more accepting of them then. But just know, it's a, it's a three and a half for now, uh, and I'm looking forward to possibly bumping it up come later. I don't know. I, I've kind of started to think of things more in terms of like a percentile scale. Like um, if if we did that kind of scale, like I feel like this would be like maybe like a 93. Like it's it's very good. Like there are those things like that that um, that are just jarring, like stylistically. But um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really I really like this. This is kind of an instant classic for me that I, I plan to re- revisit kind of throughout the rest of my life yeah see when you said criminally low 6.9 it was like uh, that's 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 pretty much bang on <laughs> okay um yeah i don't know i uh we've talked about this before like i put more a lot more emotional weight into my ratings like if something really affects me on a personal level i'm gonna bump it up like two whole stars yeah no nah, i get it so uh there that is there it is. So uh, we're going to take another break here. And when we come back from that break, we're going to talk about another Netflix original movie that happened. Choked, Paisa Polta High, a movie title that I've no doubt butchered. Welcome to the Movie Cellar, where we have a VHS collection, an internet connection, and uninformed opinions. My name is Dan. Extremely uninformed opinions, Dan. Get yes. it right. I'm George. And I'm producer Chris. And this is our promo. We've tried like 52,000 times. <laughs> so we're going to get it this time. All right. So um, we're a podcast. Yes, that's true, George. And we watch VHS tapes in alphabetical order. Yes, but we only watch one a night and we don't watch it on the show. You get a brief intermission while we watch the movie and then we come back and we talk about it like just whatever is on our mind about it. We, I just had to stop myself from swearing again. Good job not swearing. Right? This it's is hard. our clean promo. <clears throat> this is a right. lot of preamble. The show is not clean. There's a lot of preamble to our discussions. Oh, we're almost movies. out of time. Hurry no, up, hurry we're up. Good. So if you want to listen to dumb people talk about movies, check us out. Yeah, that. Bye. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it's time to get into our dick pic segment for the week. So we're just done with phrasing, right? Jesus, look at that black cock. And since I deferred to you on this one, tell us what was your word and what did we watch? Uh, my word was choke. And that brought us to the Indian film Choked, Paisa Bolta High. I guess we probably haven't done this in a while. If you've never listened to the show before, Dick Picks is where we take a random word out of the dictionary and search it on Netflix and watch something associated with it. Choked is a brand new uh, Indian drama film. Uh, it's a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb. A bank employee weighed down by her jobless husband's debts in her own broken dreams finds a secret source of seemingly unlimited cash in her home. Uh, this is written, directed, and starring uh, Indian people whose names I can't pronounce without uh, seeming offensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so what did you think of Choked? Uh, it started out being like, ultra generic like oh fam- family has money problems what a what a yeah. what a concept yeah uh a couple argues yeah a couple argues over money 
the movie. But then something happens uh, about halfway through. Yeah, uh, it turns into like this weird like heist money laundering film. Well, not only that, but we get the real life event of Modi, the Indian prime minister, saying that the 500,000 rupee notes are no longer valid as of a certain date. So you just have like utter chaos for about 20 minutes where people are just like losing their fucking minds because this currency that they've had is no longer going to be valid. Mhm. Which seems insane. Uh like I guess like the higher denominations of money they just said were like those aren't legal tender anymore because like a lot of the bigger bills are tied up in organized crime and shit. Mhm. Uh, and unsurprisingly, the fucking country went haywire. Yep. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't understand how the world's fifth largest economy can pull a stunt like that. Uh, that's a tremendous question. I have no idea either. That, like, I watched that and I, like, Ashley, like, looks at me and I'm like, yeah, this is real. Like, I learned about this through John Oliver. Like, Modi did this. This is, this is a real thing that he did. For some fucking reason. Like, and I, and I get that he thinks it was for a good reason, you know. Oh, uh, organized crime uses these large denominations. Uh, so fuck organized crime. You know, uh, real people don't have to worry about these denominations. And you even see that with uh, uh, several characters being like, ah, look at all these money-hungry idiots with these $500,000 or 1000 rupee notes. Like, you can't... Yeah. Like, what assholes? Like, they're all crooked. And it's like, no... Like, some of them are just regular fucking people. Most of them are regular fucking people. And I guess, like, the new bills that they replaced them with had a a microchip in it yeah. as a security device. So, like, it's also in Ruples, so that's the microchips probably were worth more than the face value of the fucking money. Because I don't think that their currency is particularly strong. Uh, it's rupee. Uh, which is my mistake. I thought it was rupees, but you said ruples, so I leaned yeah, into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm an idiot, so. Uh, let me look at 2016. So 2016, October 21st, 2016. Uh, t- today I learned that India is in the kingdom of Hyrule. <laughs> uh, so for every, eh, every one dollar. So for every one dollar uh, is roughly 76 Indian rupees. So think about that. So like okay. the thousand dollar note is like. So it's not like dongs. No, it's not dongs. Uh, which is the Vietnamese currency. Which is uh, you're a, you're a dongionaire if uh, yeah. you have like three thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Take her millions and millions of dongs elsewhere. So uh, for those of you who are curious, uh, one thousand divided by seventy six is thirteen dollars. So, uh. The the five hundred and thousand dollar rupees, uh, rupee bills were worth uh six dollars and fifty cents and thirteen dollars. So imagine, for instance, if the five and ten went away and were entirely replaced by new currency that uh, President Dipshit was like, "Yo, dog, only these bills with my face on them are legal tender now." <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Um, I want to talk about this real quick. My 
my parents are uh like super hardline republicans which is cause a constant cause of consternation for me uh that was a fun sentence to try to say but uh for christmas my mother got me a commemorative coin that had uh i guess like the prime minister of israel and donald trump's face on them because like i guess donald trump said something like oh yeah in israel is like the the holy land or whatever but like i don't know she was like it's in the bible that he was gonna say that like israel like to validate israel's right to exist as a country because it's a holy place uh and i was like i guarantee that's not true yep uh you should know this because you've been um a member of the church for your entire life as far as i know um but uh it was very strange very bizarre so uh that's now a thing that i have that i need to um I guess melt down for its value in gold and turn it into something else. I don't know. Yep. 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 Um, and also like, <laughs> I don't think that we should be supporting Israel because they're uh, terrible. Like they're very antagonistic. Oh yeah. But so are we. So it's, it's good business. For I the mean, powers it makes that be, sense. I guess. So that's uh Caleb's soapbox for the week. Yeah. That's uh, a, f- that's a weird thing that happened to me. So, I don't know, like, there isn't much to say regarding this movie. L- like I said, it's relatively straightforward until uh, about halfway through where this, this wrench gets thrown in by Modi. And then, like, the movie treats it as a big deal for a bit and then just keeps on going with its central plot of this woman taking money from, like, her drain pipe, like her building's drain pipe and like using it to buy things. And then like we like, it just goes from there. And it, I don't know. It's tough to talk about because like, it's relatively obvious where this movie is going the whole time, at least to me. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't bad. It just didn't really get there for me. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a thing I watched. It's it was fine. With about thirty minutes to go, the score switches from like very Indian, very Bollywood to uh an almost jazz like Birdman like score for some reason, uh, and that yeah. was incredibly jarring to me. We had the the fantastic side character of crying girl who's trying to plan her wedding while. Uh, no one is accepting currency anymore. Yeah. Uh, was it her wedding? I thought it was somebody else's. Like she was doing somebody else's wedding. Nah. Anyway. I couldn't. I, I couldn't really tell. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the I, I don't know. I I felt more for uh the the main female character because like she she's working hard. She's trying to do her best, and her husband is a lazy sack of shit who does nothing but complain about how like she thinks she's the best because she yeah. makes the money and Ab- about how he, she tells him to do stuff. Yeah. Uh, I could have done without that character uh, until late in the movie where he has like a massive turn for some reason, uh, in a, a development that goes way underexplained. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, that's fair. Uh, what would you give uh, Choked? I'm just going to call it Choked so I don't make an ass of myself. Uh, two and a half. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'm going with a three. It's fine. It's an hour and 54 minutes. Like, you could do worse with your time. Like, watch The Last Days of American Crime. Uh, but uh, I'd still just watch watch The Five Bloods. It's It's just better. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. For some reason, this movie was also two hours. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. All right. Um, Dan, uh, tell him stuff about the show, and then I'll tell him stuff about what we're doing on next week's exciting episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> uh, well, you can follow us on all the social medias at Netflix and Swill. You can also... Uh... Check us out on the podcast, uh, the podcatcher you're uh, currently li- listening to us on. If I could just speak, it's uh, 201 episodes, and I still can't fucking speak well enough to actually do a podcast. Subscribe, leave a review if you can. Uh, we did receive a review from the UK. All right, so this is from Great Britain from Isla, I E Z L A. Uh, I probably butchered that, but like it a lot. Five stars. Just started listen. Just started to listen to listen after increasing Netflix. Love it. Thank you. Uh, that was left like early yeah. May. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to that uh, quickly enough. I don't know. It's always nice to hear that you know people can give a shit about what we're doing and yeah. actually get value out of this. So, so yeah. Uh, if you. Uh, Leave us a review. We'll read it on the show. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, just follow us at Netflix and Swill to hear everything we're doing. And we'll send you five crisp American dollars. Or, uh... Uh, actually, that's not sustainable. Or but. 225 crisp Indian rupal, rubies. Rubles. <laughs> God, I can't... I just can't stop it. We'll, we'll sell you, uh... uh 250,000 uh, Vietnamese dongs. Perfect. Well, let's make sure the dong is, hasn't uh, considerably gone up in currency. Uh, that's $11. So, yeah. We, 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 can, <laughs> we Hold on. Uh, one more zero. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, for uh, I I just looked uh, for forty forty three dollars you can be a dong and air, so if you have forty three dollars in your pocket you are a dong and air, which means you have a million dongs. Yes. Huh. I have a lot of dongs. I got a lot I'm of dongs. drowning in dongs. If I went to my bank account right now and just put in my balance, <laughs> how much how much dongs do I have? Yeah. Uh, so next week on the show, we're doing a featured review for Pokemon Journeys. Yes. Uh, we're going to be joined by Madi from Movie Marathoners to talk about that because he likes Pokemon too. Yeah. Uh, and on the back of that, we're going to be doing a patron review of A Million Ways to Die in the West. I mean, Once Upon a Time in the West. So, uh, fun fact, uh, that is no longer on Netflix, but it is on Hulu. So uh, if you have Hulu and would like to watch it with us, go ahead. Yeah, we'll do, uh, we'll launch our spinoff show, Hulu and Handjobs, or Hooch, or... Hulu and Hooch. uh, Hulu and, uh, I'm sure I have something for this. Hold on, let me do a Google search.
I want to finish my joke, Dan. I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any recreational drugs that begin with the letter H. Yikes. Uh, so, uh, based on A my Hulu back account. and heroin. There we go. <laughs> how did you not think uh, of that how did, one? How did I miss that? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, to follow up on how many dongs I have, I have about uh, 19 and a half million dongs in my bank account right now. So, uh, how many dongs do you have? Send it into the podcast at Netflix and Swill. <laughs> now I have to go and see if I have more dongs than you. Oh, you 100% do. You make way more money than I do. Uh, I have 69,776,100 dongs. You said 69 million? Yes. Nice. Heyo. Uh, Ashley and I's joint bank account is at uh, 26 million dongs. Man. We're just rolling dongs, man. Tell your, yeah. <laughs> tell your girlfriend not to pick up any dongs on her way out through the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> My girlfriend picked up 37 million dongs in a row. Let's let's just kind of outro on this energy. Um this is a very good segment that yes. we're doing of uh like banter and putting off the ending of the show. Um I love you. Thank you for listening. Uh we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.